0: Need to create a complex enterprise Angular application? Angular Bootcamp is an intensive three-day workshop class to learn the basics of Angular through sophisticated techniques for real-world applications. We target Angular 6, and the recent versions with much of the curriculum is suitable back to Angular 2. Or go beyond the three-day class with a consultation or project launch with Oasis Digital, the team behind Angular Bootcamp. We can assist your team or launch your project with advanced Angular topics including scalability, data flow, state management, full-stack product design, and more. Contact us for a private class at your location or buy a ticket for public classes in various cities around the U.S. and occasionally in Europe. Online live instructor training is also available at angularbootcamp.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Adventures in Angular. This week on our panel, we have Joe Eames. Hey, everybody. Alyssa Nichol.
1: Hello, hello. Glad to be here.
0: Shai Resnick. Hi. John Papa. Good morning, Angular. Ward Bell.
2: Hello there.
0: I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. Just a quick shout-out about getacoderjob.com if you're looking for a job. Um, this week, we are talking about whatever the heck Ward's doing. Real Ward <laughs> Angular. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice way to put it.
3: <laughs> whatever. Okay, John, why don't you
0: kick us off? I'd you love know? to kick you, Shy. Yeah, <laughs> to I, 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 I just around. love the, the flavor we've already gotten from the way that we did the pre-call. So. <laughs> yes,
4: yes. <laughs> so, uh, Ward, Ward and I have been chatting on and off about things. We always pair a program. And one of the things he's been talking to me offline about over the last couple of weeks is kind of how his project's going. Uh, he's working on this really large, uh, involved, complex application when they're using Angular for. And I thought it might be fun for us to just take a turn this week and talk about and share with people a real world or real world, Angular project. Kind of maybe Ward kick it off with uh, if you could describe a little bit about the project without giving anything away. And then maybe we can ask you to go into, like, things that have surprised you that were easier than you thought, and maybe things that were harder than you thought, challenges you had to conquer. What do you think?
2: Well, let's see what I can do about that. You know, John, like you, I spend a lot of time telling the world how they ought to do things. And I write demos to, de- to you know, <laughs> illustrate my points and my wisdom. And I express myself with deep confidence. And then I move on quickly before I can be called on it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so wait, wait, wait. Ward, this is, the that, this is the project that you showed me? Yeah. Okay, cool. So, uh, but I made a mistake because uh, I run a business and we build applications for people. And, and the people in my company do, do all this work. And many of them are Angular apps. Uh, and my company's idea blade, hey, there, there's my commercial. Um, and, but usually I try to stay out of that and let them do it. Um, but as luck would have it, I had to take lead on a on a pro, on a new project about that started about almost a year ago, and uh, and so this means I've actually had to build an application again. Now, I'm secretly happy to do this because John and I have been working on something called NGRX Data. I think we mentioned it a few times. Um, it's, it's our attempt to make uh, building an application with NGRX, which is a, a library for client-side data management in Angular, uh, uh, to, do, to, uh, to make that easier than you know, it would otherwise be. Uh, uh, backing up a bit, people have heard about Redux, and then there's NGRx, which is kind of the Redux pattern for Angular mixed with RxJS for reactivity, and it comes with a set of principles, and John and I have been talking about these things and trying to figure out how to make it work, and we came up with NGRX data to try and at least make that easier to wrestle with. Now. Uh, my company also makes Breeze, which is a kind of traditional uh, sort of ORM on the client approach to data management. And I we're used to building things with that. And anybody else who would have started this project would have forced the client to use Breeze. But I said, wow, you know, the world is changing and they want reactivity and they want NGRX and... Uh, I've just written this. We've just written this NGRX data thing, and I wonder if it works. So uh, oh, when wait, the
4: client, the, the business stakeholders, asked you for reactivity, like our users of our application want reactivity, they told you. Know, you.
2: How, isn't that just the way it is? Like business people come to you and they say, "No, I want it to be reactive."
4: I'm not using Amazon.com anymore unless it's reactive. <laughs> damn
0: it! Exactly. Uh, <laughs> you I, know. I, I used to experience that. <laughs> hey, we <laughs> want a website that buzzword, 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 buzzword. Okay. We're what? being sarcastic for anybody it's who all,
4: can't, can't figure it out.
3: What? I'm not sarcastic. <laughs> Ward, are, is it blockchain?
2: Yeah, well, there's got to be blockchain in there somewhere for sure. <laughs> is it cyber? <laughs> no, so it's not. In it's all seriousness, things. Ward, <laughs> the, the, who is the asking, application, you, for, the application who asking you for Reactive then? Like,
4: was it the, the company, the devs, or was it... Community, the community.
2: It? No, it uh, the, the company, which is a big company and has um, a real business, As opposed to
4: a fake one, yeah,
2: yeah, right. You know, it's not a startup or something like that. It's not experimental. They actually have an existing application on the web to do what they asked us to build, and and I can't say what exactly, but. Uh, imagine you have a really serious product and you need to get, you want to sign up new customers and you want them to put their initial data in, uh, and, um, and these are regular human beings out there. And then when they've got it all shaped up, they've somehow sort of enrolled in your product, um, then it takes over. And so this enrollment app is what they needed. And, but they, they, what they said was that they weren't interested in Breeze. All right. They didn't want to take on a technology they didn't know. And they had heard about NGRX because they've been looking around, you know, should it be in React? Should it be in Angular? It was it was some sense of technology driven decision. And so uh, instead of trying to do what I would have done, which normally which is convince them to use Breeze, uh, I, I, I took the bait. I look at the size of the the thing and the risk seemed to me to be low. Because the model isn't terribly complicated and isn't terribly twisted relationships among things, uh, which would have scared me off. Right? Because anybody who's heard me talk about NGRX in the past knows that I think it's it's really hard to deal with uh, complex in intertwined object graphs, you know, like uh, customer order, order line items, line items products, uh, product shippers, all that kind of stuff. There is just you go find search in the literature for Redux and NGRX on handle, handle that stuff. And eh. Uh, another reason that it seemed to be good choice for to me was that you're dealing with consumers who are going to use an application one time only. right So it can't have a complicated interface. If it was a complicated interface like I'm used to doing with these sort of information dense things that we usually build for our enterprise customers, I mean, we have customers who come to us and say, I want as much data on the screen as possible. We have expert users, they don't want to go anywhere, and that's why we've got grids and stuff. This is the exact opposite. This is something where it must be as simple as possible because nobody is ever going to be good at using this app if they do it right. You go in, you enroll, you're done, you're gone. So this so I knew that that the pages and the views we would build would be relatively simple. And so for these two reasons, small model, simple forms, I thought if you're really going to try a new technology on a, in a real application, this was the perfect fit, all right? It just couldn't get out of hand. And boy am I I was only right about one thing. It was a good fit because it was small enough, but it has been challenging. And it's challenging for for a number of reasons. Uh, this whole move to reactivity, really, it, this is just not the way I'm used to writing enterprise apps or forms over data apps. It doesn't mean it's a bad paradigm, it just means I've never really done it and I don't know people who have done it. So what's different about it? One of the first things that's different about it is immutability. I've never written a forms over data app that where I wasn't allowed to change the entity properties. I wasn't allowed to change the, the person's first name right in the object itself. Never done that before. And that meant, you know, in the traditional breeze app, you know, I would go get the person that came from the database and I would hold on to it. And I could just, you know, change the first name and everywhere in the application, the first name is changed. And when I save it, it goes away. And if I re-queried it from the database, Breeze made sure that the object reference I was holding on to, that person object I was holding on to, that object reference didn't change, right? So I could just hold on to that thing and the new data would flow in from the server. And if something had changed in that person object, bang, it appeared on screen, all right? So this is a really traditional and easy way to write um, an application. You put a form on there, you ng-model bind to the properties, you knock yourself out, you don't worry about anything, you save when it happens, it happens, the object doesn't change, you don't have to call anything but a simple surface to save it. That's the way it used to be. Now it doesn't work that way. I'm not allowed to touch anything. But it's so powerful. Well, all right. Hey, what can I tell you? It may be powerful, but, I, but those are the rules. And when you first confront that rule, you're like, what the heck do I do? And it's, but you know, everybody will tell you it's easy. So, all right. So I'm sitting there on a selector, and at the end of a selector comes this person object in. And I put it onto the screen. And, oops, I can't do that because if I have a binding to it, it's going to change the object. I'm not allowed to do that. So I make a copy, a clone of it.
4: So, so let, let's, let me step back and make sure I hear what you're saying so far, okay? And tell me yeah. what I'm on. You've got – well, you're going to call it a customer just so we pick something. Okay. You've got a customer screen, and you call something with a selector that gives you a customer. But you can't bind the customer to the object through uh, ng-model because you've – you can't modify it because that's the rules of what you do with this, right? Correct. So in your case, you decided to get around that. It sounds like by making a clone inside the component, not a clone, but a, yeah, a clone of the, uh, of the customer. So you can yep. modify that and do your two-way binding in the component.
2: Right. Were you going to okay. ask me about reactive forms? <laughs>
4: <laughs> not yet. I just want to make sure I understood where you
2: got to so That's far. where I got exactly. to it. Exactly. So you kind of snapshot the object coming in. Now, because that's a clone, I'm allowed to modify that, right? All right? I'm not. I mean, in other words, the rule about immutability applies to anything that's in shared state, anything that you're keeping in your NGRX store. But if you make a copy of it inside your component and you don't let the rest of the world see it, you're free to do what you want with it. And so I do. And then when the user has done something that means, they, uh, you know, I'm supposed to save it, Now what I got to do is I got to go get the fresh one out of NGRX store, blend my changes with whatever the current state of it is in the store, the store copy, then send it to NGRX. The dispatch as part of an action, which will, if you know NGRX, start going down the reducer hole and up through the effects uh, channel and over to the database and come back someday. Okay. So the old model I had where... I just bound to the darn object change the company name save it with a save service you know that's gone now there's all kinds of mystery all right and this is part of the pattern by the way the mystery is part of the pattern and you just gotta get that into your head
3: what do you mean by the mystery is part of the pattern
2: okay so when i take an object and i just modify its property any mystery about how that got changed no no. If I write a service that saves it and I hand that object to that service and it calls HTTP directly, any mystery about how that went to the database? No. Any mystery about when the database is done with it, whether it saved it or failed to save it? Not if you're using a promise on the end of it because it either comes back, you you sit around and you wait for that promise to resolve, and when it comes back, it's, it's either happy or sad. No but mystery. It's not,
3: it's not reactive.
2: It's not reactive either. No, it's not. I'm commanding everything, and I'm following everything. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't mean – I'm not trying to, to say one pattern is better than another today. I'm simply saying that the, that the absolute objective fact is that in one place, in the imperative pattern, you know where everything is. And when you go reactive and when you go through one of these Redux things, really what happens is it's like dropping a letter in the mailbox – and waiting, and then seeing if you get a different letter back. That seems to be about the same thing you got, and how it got to the post office, and how it got flown to its destination, and whatever that person did to it, and how you had no idea.
3: Wait, isn't isn't uh, the whole? So I'm not. An NgRx guy, uh, so I I don't have a lot of experience with that. I prefer also the imperative uh, old way. But isn't the whole point of the Redux tools and all that stuff to show you the like the path where things went?
2: Well, it certainly helps. As a matter of fact, it's great. The Redux tools are great. They'll tell you what's in. They'll tell you what actions you dispatched. They'll tell you what you said in those actions. They'll tell you what the cache was before. I'm telling you
1: all of this. Where's the mystery?
2: Well, the mystery is you're looking at when you're sitting there looking at the tools. You can see that it happened in the store, right? You can't see what did it, and you definitely don't see any of the async events. You, you, you see the consequences of async events, like when I save that customer change. That isn't in the store. You see, oh, I see the request to save. Things disappear from view. Then, if you're using effects. And then what happens is when the effects come back, you'll see a new action in the store that, that represents the success or failure of that. Now, remember, these are debugging tools, all right? Which is great. You don't ship them in production. So if you had to debug a production app, you would be back into the mystery, right? Because you got none of these things that look at it. You're missing out on the async activity because that's not captured in the Redux tools. And, You're talking about something you'd use for diagnostics, but when you're actually, which misses the the places where things started. So when you're actually rooting around, you know, trying to write your code, you're you're it's still kind of mysterious. I throw this change action into a hopper called the dispatch. And then how do I get it back? How do I know when it's done? It programmatically, I want to hold the screen. I don't want the user to leave. Say until you know, I want to have a candy i until the stuff comes back. How do you do it? They, uh, because in principle, you dispatch an action and then you have no idea, um, when it succeeds. You do if it's synchronous, of course, because you just sit there in the selector and you wait for it to come back and it's synchronous. But if it's an async thing and I just saved that customer, how do I know when that customer was saved? So, th- what ha- I, I don't, you know, so I'm just giving you an example of the kinds of questions that come up as you're writing your code. Now, there are ways there are answers to this and in fact during this process over the last months and months i've been evolving it um you know john is was wonderful getting me going with ngrx data but recently i've been porting some of my experience back directly into ngrx data to make answering some of these questions easier so i think we're getting there i think the the point i want to i guess the thing i want to get to is that the world is kind of upside down and there aren't good guidelines about what works, what you should do, what you shouldn't. Not because people haven't been thinking about it, but because we just don't, as a community, have the experience yet to understand how to program in this modality. And it's full of these things that are surprising to you if you're used to coding another way.
4: And specifically, where you're talking about the reactive pattern, not necessarily NGRX, but the reactive pattern.
2: Exactly. That's taught, right? Exactly. In the reactive pattern, you go out there and you ask somebody, okay, let's see, I want customers and addresses, they're in two different places, right? You're you're sort of, you've denormalized this thing and say persons. And I want to, I need to, when any one of those things changes, I need to be able to figure out what that is because on screen, I've got to show you that this company is related to this person who has this address. That's a very typical forms over data thing, right? I mean, I got a company, it's got a list of people that work for it. And those people have addresses and, uh, geez, you know, I want to know you know, am I allowed to delete that address? Well, I can't delete that address if it belongs to another person who's employed by the same company. These are things that we do building these apps over and over and over again, and yet, and we know how to do them when there are graphs, object graphs that you can walk. There are no object graphs you can walk in this model. There are no relationships built in. You have to construct them somehow, yeah. and go around and try to and figure out how that's done. And you know, I've been learning. I got I got my recipes, my ideas about how to do it. Uh, but I've been evolving them. So it's been things that I could do that were a breeze in breeze without even thinking. Suddenly I'm having to sort of re-encounter the the problem set that I used to know the answer to when I would build apps and discover new ways of doing it in a world that's immutable, in a world that's reactive, in a world that has uh, this indirection that is the part of the, the Redux NGRX pattern.
4: Now Ward, I'm listening to you here, and again, listening to you over the last couple of months on and off, kind of us talking outside of the podcast about this. What I've taken away from it a lot is, and this is my perspective on the way you've described this today, and then reactive programming doesn't make it uh, wrong or right. It's just it's a different set of problems. We've, we've, while it brings in the additional powers and features and people are going in this direction, as we can see in the community, there are problems that you used to, um, just, just used to work for you things that weren't a problem before in the old model that are now more difficult to deal with because the way reactive works, although reactive has solved some of the other problems where, you know, you always know where the source of the truth is. But it's like you're trading problems the way I've kind of listened to your, your description of this. It's not like it's better or worse. Um, do you agree with that? Or do you feel like it is one way or the other?
2: No, I'm, I'm definitely in the I don't know camp. Um, it's definitely different. And I don't know where I come down on it. There are certain things, let's just get them there, that are a lot easier than they were under my old pattern. Okay, what are those? I create a, a new breeze. It's not really fair because people who have breeze have answers to all of these things. And I'm not just plugging breeze. I don't make a nickel from it, but we, but it does, make, it does give you an answer for these things. But let's suppose I add a new address to the company, right? Well, React, you know, if my combo boxes, my list boxes are all populated and they're backed by an observable selector, if I make a change to any of those addresses or I add a new address, boom, it's right there. I don't have to worry about it. And there's lots of interesting things where I can, I can have these observables and they just arrive as observables in the component and they go through the async pipe and they're populated and I don't have to do any wiring in the component at all. There, are, When you use certain patterns, the sort of container presenter pattern where you, pa- you pass the observables into the container, and they hand down to the little components that the presentational components. Um, the outer container takes care of running through the async pipe, and then you're looking at the component. Hey, it's all beautifully there. Turns out when you know you, you start to get really good at RxJS, uh, or at least you get better. I don't know if you can ever get really good, but I'm better than I was and you start using it to compose view models. I never used to do that before, but it's actually kind of nice the way you can solve a little bit of the view model problem over here. You know, how do these addresses and things come together? What's a work location? Just make sure it doesn't have home addresses and all that stuff. Good. I got it just right. Make sure you got took care of the soft deletes, got out of the rid of all the addresses that aren't real. Boom. You just built this nice observable that just does that. And then you create a nice observable that gets the employee just right. And then you Mash those two observables together using RxJS, and out of it comes this beautiful view model that you can put, that you can bind to on screen, and you built it up out of this sort of arithmetic, this RxJS arithmetic, and that's nice. So the things I like that I would never have done in the old imperative mode, and so those problems sort of become easier, but a lot of the classic problems are just new to me, and they're hard because they're new to me, and I've been programming a while. Yeah, well, let I, me, I,
4: I, and let me change your topic a little bit here, because you mentioned NGRX a few times, the stuff that we built on. I'm yeah. uh, just curious, give us the 30-second. Uh, do you feel like that has been helpful in this process or not worth it or knowing that we helped create it?
2: <laughs> right, the NGRX data. So yeah, NGRX data, yes. Right, because um, NGRX was already there. Yeah. And then they invented NGRX Entity, which was a huge help. NGRX Entity is a library that sits on NGRX that, that says entities, which are things with a primary key and that you save to a database. You know, they have sort of a classic set of things that they need and so we'll build their collections of them, collections of companies and so forth. So NGRX entity they built to sort of codify what an entity looks like in the cache. And then we layered on NGRX data, which was to take away all of the work that's involved in writing actions, reducers, selectors, and blah, blah, blah. Because the way which you handle entities is pretty much the same, no matter what the entity. at least has,
4: enemy. That, uh, has that has that
2: right? that has worked great. I have to say that not having to create actions and reducers and selectors and all that stuff seem you know seems to have freed me to focus on the things the the challenges with this style of programming that um that I needed to learn how to do and deal with like Like I was just talking about that arithmetic of bringing things together and creating new models. At least I'm focusing on that, not on how do I create another set of actions that look just like another, or a set of reducers that look like another. So it's, I have to say that it's, it's a pleasure to work. It's actually pretty much a pleasure to work with MGRX data. Uh, the other day I had to create a new entity. I just added one word to the entity metadata that was the name of that table, the name of that entity. And I was done, pretty much done. I didn't have to write any other stuff and it just blended right in with the rest of the things I was doing. And so I, I really, it has freed me up to focus on the reactive programming um, that I'm doing.
4: And it's interesting to know, outside of reactive and NGRX and NGRX data and all that, what about uh, dealing with CSS encapsulation, performance, module organization, file structure, pulling in third-party libraries Build processes, build speeds, all those other kind of things. What's what's been great and what's been? Oh my gosh, I didn't think that would be a challenge, but it was.
2: Well, I have to say the router has been the router has been a mystery for me since the beginning. I don't really get the structure of it very well. It's a strange command syntax, and I have I've had to wrestle with the router more than I want to say, and guards and things like that. Now, again, the practical Angular programmer who spent some time in the field with this thing has probably got the patterns and behaviors cold. Maybe shy, or you got those cold. Maybe, Alyssa, you got those cold. But because – I
3: definitely don't.
2: <laughs> well, I don't either yet, but I've had to live with it. And it's been no, – what's,
4: what's, I'm going to play devil's advocate. What's the problem with the router, dude? Come on. You just you create a route. You pass a parameter. You move along. You show yes. off. <laughs> so seriously, what what's been the struggle?
2: Well, you know, writing guards that show up at the right time that keep you from activating or deactivating. Okay, uh, and then when they do, they can they you know you thought you were going to this route, but you ended up at that route over there. By the way, I don't try and do anything complicated. I don't build like some of my colleagues who can do auxiliary routes and have multiple outlets firing on the same route and all. I'm not even trying to do that stuff. So one of the one of the things that that I've benefited you know, One of the things I did is I, uh, th- there's a tracing um, option and I built that in as a, into the, the, my application and then I have an environment flag so I can turn it on just so I can see where the heck is it going? When has it intercepted the route and gone someplace else? Oh, oh, and by the way, it's very easy to write a guard that never returns because it went off to do something asynchronous and never finished.
0: Deploy more, pay less with DigitalOcean the simplest all-in-one cloud computing platform for developers scale and run cloud applications faster and more efficiently with effortless administration tools to robust compute flexible configurations, networking services, real-time alerts, and rapid provisioning while enjoying industry-leading price-to-performance with a flat pricing structure across all global data center regions at any usage volume. Spend more time building better web apps and less time worrying about managing infrastructure with DigitalOcean. Build your next app on DigitalOcean. Get started with a free $100 credit at do.co slash adventures. You know, why would you do that word? (laughs)
4: <laughs> I mean, and again, play devil's the advocate. So you got a guard, and the guards, the guard's point in life a lot of times is to do something like, before I let you go to this page or leave this page, can deactivate, can not activate, look this asynchronous thing up and then return a response. Yep. So when do you get in trouble with that?
2: I'm curious. Uh, I got in trouble with that when I set it up wrong and it never returned.
4: Uh, so just a, in that case, it was just a programming mistake and the async just never actually came back,
2: right? Yeah. Right, but you're looking at it. That's the last thing you're looking for.
4: Yep, I uh, bet that's hard to debug. Async is hard to debug in general.
2: I know, and there's just so much of it in this world.
4: And I don't think it's an Angular thing. I mean, no, you that, no. whether you're doing promises or callbacks or RxJS, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I would say that I, one of the other challenging areas was we did we were using Open for authentication.
4: You sound like that like it's a bad thing. <laughs> How did
2: that no, go? I just mean it was so hard. It's a really complicated dance among three or more servers with tokens going back and forth and and realize that I uh, the way I like to develop is I like to have a mocking environment. I like to be able to develop my, my client without actually having to talk to any server at all. Uh and that has pl- paid off greatly um i'm able to move really fast while everybody is screwing up the deployments or having a hard time getting the back end the apis written in time or they're broken and all that stuff and i'm not even talking about tests now okay because you certainly want it for unit tests so i had to mock both i had to come up with a mock of the whole identity server stuff as well as use the real one and so it was a double layer of complexity and it's hard man there's just, there's just there's a reason you pay a lot of money to have a security expert come in and look at this stuff because um, there's there's a really complicated and formal set of dance steps that are necessary um, to use something like OpenID uh, to authenticate your application.
4: So you're basically uh, saying, so far I've heard, in a summary, reactive is hard, uh, and identities hard. Identity is hard. Security is hard, and so is uh, asynchronous programming and debugging.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So,
4: so what went well, Ward? (laughs) Uh,
2: I think that beginning to get beginning to develop some patterns that I can rely upon Um, save patterns, for example, uh, relationship, how to draw up uh, the relationships between objects using selectors. I think I'm getting my hands around how that's, how that works. They I'm, I'm using, you know, the, the kind of component structure that we've been recommending, um, over the last years, uh, has allowed for the great deal of modularity and the ability to, to move, you know, cause requirements are always changing or they get it wrong the first time or whatever. And so it's really easy to move, move features from one page to another. The structure, of the application makes sense to me. You know, it's sort of, nothing is too big, nothing, and, and the router does stitch things together. The deep linking stuff is great. So uh, a lot of things are going right. It's just, I've just had to learn how, I learned patterns for assembling an application that were not known to me. And then I couldn't, I can't go out and read a book about it. Um, I can't go out and, you know, there's nowhere on site to tell you how to do this. There's nowhere on, there's no movies. There's nobody writing anything.
3: There is a movie. There with, is uh, Bruce Willis as the uh, as the observable.
4: <laughs> I thought you were going to say diehard. I'm like, yeah, yippee-ki-yay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yippee-yi, yippee is exactly, I have had that moment. But uh, so there have been thrills where I actually got something across and then I could just, I just felt like victorious and I'm dancing on the heat. And then there are times when I'm buried under the heat. Um, and I guess every programmer who's ever built an application has gone through this. But the thing that's different is all these different patterns thrown at me, different to me, and I think different to many people in the world all at once. Is it going to come out? Yes, it is. Um, uh, and I think when it comes out, it'll be good.
3: Interesting. So, are you? So, if you had a, <laughs> a chance to open up a new project, okay, would you choose the same stack?
2: And what stack did you choose? Well, I'm happy with Angular. There's nothing in the world. I mean, if I have to use OpenID, I, well, at least now I know how to do it. Would I do it again? Man. <laughs> and do you have a end? You,
1: you thinking about this long is like <laughs> kind of the answer, I guess.
2: <laughs> well, you know, but I use Breeze, okay, and it's really an important distinction because all of the things that I'm solved, that I've complained about or worried about, I know the answer to them in Breeze. I also realize that if you don't have breeze, and you have to, which is where most people are, and you have to build this all with raw services, and you have to figure out how you're going to cache data or not, and you have to figure out how you're going to build an object graph or not, you've got a big problem. So, if the choice is breeze or this, I still have to say, breeze is more mature. It knows what it, you know, we know what we're doing with it, it's faster, and it works great. But if you don't want breeze, if you want to say, no, take breeze off the table, I either go raw or I go NGRX, I have to tell you, I do NGRX. Hmm. I think that that rolling your own client-side data management approach is a really, really bad idea. And NGRX and Redux, they are an answer to that problem. And in fact, that is why people are flocking to them. Because Their alternative hasn't been Breeze or this. Their alternative has been, I write it myself, or or worse, my entire team writes data management itself, and everybody does it his or her own way. Or I have something that works reliably, that has a common pattern, that everybody knows what the rules are, and that actually works. Um, Yeah, take that. So I say, if you can't use Breeze, use NGRX. And if you're going to use NGRX, use NGRX data.
3: It's interesting. Um, Two things. First of all, have you heard about this new (laughs) library called Akita? Like the dog?
2: No, I haven't heard of that one. And I did leave out Web, 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 oh, gosh, what is that thing? WebEx? No, 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 WebQL, Web, um, ah. GraphQL? GraphQL GraphQL and and that whole set uh, and. um, But that requires
3: uh, like a server and all that. uh,
2: I, mm-hmm. I, I realize that, but at least it's an answer. Yeah, yeah of an course, answer. of course. And the, and, the, and the question on the table is not. You know, maybe there's something else that has an answer. Maybe there's some, you know, there's breeze, there's NGRX, Maybe there's this other thing, Akita that you're talking about. So maybe. Akita,
3: I meant I mentioned it because uh, I've for for a long time I've been looking at um, Redux, and it reminded me of a pattern I used to <laughs> to follow in the Flash days. Uh, which where I ended up uh, tearing my hairs, (laughs) like uh, having headaches over trying to come up with new action names. And, you know, it really, really uh, was very similar to to Redux. So when I saw Redux for the first time, I was uh, very enthusiastic about like the time traveling, like the Dan Abramov lecture, which was very cool. But when I started using it, I was like, hey, I know that pattern. <laughs> I'm not going to to do that to my large scale project uh because I know where where it lead, where it, uh, it is leading. So and by the way, um we did a poll in one of the in the Re, uh, in Israel in the F- React Facebook group. So someone asked uh people whether like uh, their like their problems is Redux versus Mobix, right? Yeah. So um so and I saw a lot of people that I used to talk with, uh, like, two years ago about Redux, writing, like, he got, like, 30 answers from pe- very experienced people saying, hey, uh, we switched from Redux to MobX, and, and this is why, and everybody, like, um, described the reasons, and all of the reasons were the same reason that I dealt with during my Flash days, When you get to a certain scale, uh, you got to all these like complexities that you described as well. Like when you don't know where things are going, when you have too many like actions and you have too many boilerplate, too much boilerplate and things are not as clear. So and this is only like Redux, which is uh, supposed to be much simpler, right, because it doesn't have the layer of the reactivity. Um, so I, again, I'm not saying that this is a bad pattern, just like describing what I, I'm seeing in the discussions. Uh, so they moved to basically Mobics, which is a change detection uh, mechanism, uh, also reactive, but not based on RxJS, just uh, the concept of observables. And people are finding it very, very, very uh, easy to to manage. So that's just like one comment that. Um, uh, so Akita, when I when I saw that, which is a pretty new, so and I didn't really use it to be honest. So I don't, I cannot tell you like yeah, this is the next thing, and you know it's just like another solution. But when I looked at it, it seems like a combination between maybe Breeze and RxJS, like uh, by but using Reactivity, but without the Redux pattern. So you you have stores, but you don't have like reducers. You don't need to, you know, create actions. You don't need to do all the you know that in order to achieve your goal. So it's very interesting. I'll take a look at it.
2: Um, Well, that's good to know. People need choices. I will say that for me, the NGR and John asked this earlier. NGRX data takes the whole boiler takes the boilerplate question off the table when it comes to entities. And that is liberating. That, that means that NGRX, to my mind, NGRX can p- compete um, with, in facility with some of these other things that don't have all those parts and pieces. Because NGRX data, um, I, I don't want to say hides them, but, but um, puts them comfortably out of you until you want to go there. You don't have to write all that stuff. Like I said, create a new thing, bang, you just write you know a line and you're there. Uh, and that makes that has, uh, you know, if I if if John and I've done anything right, it's it's coming up with that thing.
0: One thing that I want to add in here is, you know, we're talking about this data management layer and how do you manage all of this stuff? And you know, you got NGRX and you got all these other options. And it's been really fascinating to me to just see where we've ended up with a lot of these tools, as far as you know what we think they can do for us and what the trade offs are. And we had a really long discussion with, on React uh, Roundup earlier today, we talked to Gant Laborde, who put together the React State Museum, which is a state management. And it's basically like to do MVC for state management. And yeah, I mean, I think this is a problem that we're going to be talking about, like we were talking about how we solved the framework problem, you know, a few years ago. So I don't know. I mean, these are problems that I think, you know, as we solve problems like what Ward's solving and... Some other folks are solving, you know, we're, we're going to get there, but it's going to be another little while. It, it, it's very clear to me that it, this is not a solved issue. I think uh, John has a
3: song about that. John, do you want to sing us the song?
4: No, I just have idle fingers. So, <laughs>
3: <laughs> so to anyone who listens to it, um, John has a guitar. <laughs> we can see him. Play us something.
4: Maybe I will one of these days, but uh, right now I have a question, or at least Mm -hmm. for all of you. Something Ward said really struck me, and I know it's odd because usually I listen to nothing he says. But (laughs) (laughs) as you were talking, Ward, about a lot of what you're doing, you mentioned something very subtly, which I think we should bring back up. I'm curious how everybody else in this uh, panel feels about it, and that's when you started this project, and I'm putting my version of what I heard into what you said – you decided that this project was such that you were able to introduce something relatively new for you in a large project, uh, the reactive style within GRX and NGRX data, in because you felt comfortable based upon this was really the only new thing you were introducing. Like the rest of it was knowns to you and it was no big risks. So you brought this other thing in. And I personally feel like one of the biggest reasons a lot of projects can struggle mightily is when people take on, I'm going to add these 17 new things to my project all at once.
0: 16 is <laughs> okay, but.
4: Yeah, I mean, seriously, like, like in the days of, uh, I'm going to use Gulp as an example, I'm going to bring in Gulp and NPM scripts, and I might try a little sprinkle of Webpack, because I've heard about that recently, too. And we'll do a little Angular here and some web components there, I bring jQuery on this side, and... I'm not kidding. These are things that you'd see. And when you bring in all this stuff at the beginning of a project, I feel like it's a recipe for just shooting yourself in the foot with a foot gun, as our friend Douglas Crockford likes to say. And I'm curious from all of you, when you start new projects with Angular, do you go through the same process, uh, Alyssa, Shy, Joe? Since you're being relatively quiet, Alyssa, Shy, Joe?
3: <laughs> I'm, saying- I'm, I'm muted.
5: Shy? Are you saying No,
3: shy? I'm muted. I'm very loud, but... I'm muted.
5: <laughs> yeah, he's been yelling this whole time. Chad has been yelling this whole entire time. And <laughs> just,
3: Nobody know. can hear me.
5: He does it on purpose.
3: <laughs> so, Joe, why why won't you go ahead? No, no, no. I don't want to go ahead.
5: <laughs> go ahead, Joe. <laughs> no. Go ahead. No, I'm not going to because I wasn't even listening to the question. Wow.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow.
3: Joe. Joe. That's probably will get edited out. <laughs> right now,
4: yeah. now. That should stay in. I have I have I have evidence against Joe now for the future. <laughs> <laughs> a little
3: bit. Okay, so if I understand the question is uh, do we uh, when we start a new project do we take all of the like the newest shiny stuff and try to mesh them together uh, to cover <laughs> a lot of buzzwords. This is the question, John.
2: That's putting it harshly. Um, but how do you, so turn it around, it's, how do you decide whether it's safe to bring in, when it's appropriate, safe and appropriate, to bring in a new technology? And how many new technologies are you willing to introduce to a new project?
3: Hmm, that's a good question. Um, so I'm I'm not an early adopter most of the time. Usually I wait. Whenever new things, a new, a new thing, because I was burned with so many new shiny things because everything looks, looks cool in the documentation. Everything works right. When you see it on the, in the lecture, which was uh, prepared and uh, you know, uh, well in advance, but when you start uh, applying it to your own project, then you start dealing with the real issues and you don't have, and when it's a new project, you don't have yet the stack overflow questions or the, fixes or the issues or the PRs waiting to get merged and all that stuff. So uh, that's a really good episode to do. How do we judge a, a new project? But if I'm going to summarize it, I look at a bunch of things. Uh, one is, uh, so first of all, I let it sink. Okay? I, let, I let other early adopters <laughs> tackle with it for at least a few months. And then I, then I, like, talk with them or see the re, uh, reviews or see, like, the problems people are, um, you know, uh, dealing with. And then uh, I look at, okay, how, how big is the community around that? Because usually it's a sign. Uh, again, if it's a small project uh, where it's just one file, one of an NPM package, I don't worry about it. I can read the source code and, you know fork it and fix the bug or something like that. But I'm talking about now uh, about like a like a library, like a state management library or like, you know, something like that or something big that I cannot like go into and uh, hack, hack it quickly. So I look at the, at the community around it and see whether it's big. And actually when I did, I did a lecture about why do I bet on Angular back in like 2016, I think. Uh, and I, I actually, like, said there. How do I judge the non-technical aspect of, of um, you know, of a project? And I look at the team that leads it and see if how they they are behaving, right? How they are building the community. So there's a lot of psychology behind that I developed over the years to assess whether it's, uh, you know. Uh, a good uh, projects to a pr- project to adopt so usually you won't find me trying to adopt all the things at once unless again it's well proven solution and it's not maybe it's not like directly um related to like the app like something like prettier let's say you know when the, the, it it formats, formats your code Uh, it's not really uh, directly related to your like, you know, core of the project. So I can like add this and test it out and, you know, uh, and all like, I don't know, linting tools and stuff like that. But if we're talking about a new stack, I would probably like take one thing, experiment with it, like on a side project, just to see if it solves like the most difficult problems I already have (laughs) in my app and then consider whether to adopt it. But I won't like throwing like a bunch of uh, stuff together
2: usually. So so before anybody goes any further I want to throw one uh, you know start from a, a really important consideration which is I look at my client first. Somebody's paying me to do this. Mm-hmm. Right? They're trusting me to do this. They said, "We, you know, we've got a time, we've got a budget and we're looking you know we're hiring you because
3: and you know we needed you're... to be reactive.
2: <laughs> and we needed reactive. No, they didn't say that. Uh, they said they didn't want Breeze. That was my opening. And I, and you have to start from that because you have a fiduciary responsibility to that client. And so it's up to, you know, it's on, it's on my head if this doesn't work. So I had to look at the time and the budget. And I also had to realize that there was going to be this. I was going to have to spend a lot of non-billable hours, right? Can I, am I ready to do that? Am I willing to do that? Because as a consultant, you had better, if you're going to introduce a new technology and you're responsible for introducing it, they didn't tell you to do it, you recommended it. You would darn well be better ready to, to eat some hours yourself because it's your responsibility as a consultant. And you can't inflict your pain on the customer when you made that choice. So, so I looked very carefully at this project. I knew, I, to me, it, it wasn't just introducing a prettier, this was bring, bringing in new paradigm and new technology. And even though I thought I understood those technologies and paradigms because I'd been teaching it for a while, I knew I'd never had it in my fingers and I was worried. And I, but I thought I could answer the question, will I do right, the key question, can I do right by my customer and am I ready to eat a lot of hours that I can't bill? And the answer was yes to both of those. And so far, so good.
0: Melissa, your thoughts?
1: Well, to answer John's question. Oh, first off, is this better?
0: The audio? Great. Much better. That's amazing.
1: Wow. Okay. Um,
4: <laughs> <laughs> I love the face, by the way.
0: <laughs> I love that. And the earmuffs and everything.
1: Thanks, man. Uh, to answer your question, I think I might represent a large chunk of our audience when I say that I have not been blessed with enough projects that I had that much power on them. So I didn't really get to choose if we use new things that I'm unfamiliar with. Uh, It was more of I'm going along for the ride and I'm putting in nightly hours so that I know what the hell I'm talking about. So, um, sorry, heck, I'm talking about. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I, I think I was actually smiling when Ward was sharing today and I'm really glad that you did. Thank you, Ward. Um, because it gives me this like glimpse of like I'm like, I'm gonna get there one day. Like I really feel like one day I'm going to have clients and I'm gonna be able to be like, this is what we need to do and like lead in such a way. And so it's exciting. Um, but I'm just not there yet. And I I don't know, I don't it's kind of scary too because it's like it sounds like a lot of responsibility beyond your head. Like because you're making those decisions, right? You're saying, well we're gonna go this way and
2: yeah, I hope I'm right. <laughs> and you will, and you will get there. And it's going to take confidence, and it's going to take fault, a certain amount of bravado, because you're going to have to take the risk. You're going to have to, and you've got to know it's it's really going to be on you. And um, you have to decide if you're the kind of person who wants to do that. I happen to think you're the kind of person who's going to grow into that position where you'll you'll comfortably make those decisions. Uh, I know a lot. I know several. Well, wonderful people uh, women in our field who have who've become that person who has both the experience and the chutzpah and the integrity to take that on so it's you it's a great thing to aspire to what about you joe uh
5: I think I'm pretty cavalier about the whole thing i like <laughs> throwing in, i like throwing in new stuff just just for fun to just just to try <laughs> something new and crazy cuz i'll be honest unless it seems really obvious that it's a huge mistake i find that it's so much easier like it's so much more common to make mistakes doing stuff you're pretty sure about that throwing in a few things that are like this is a risk is not likely where i'm going to find my mistakes i'm going to find my mistakes with the stuff i was pretty sure that i should be doing this and then those are the mistakes like i don't know to me it seems like I I know that something like NGRX is such a core thing in an application, right? But it often to me seems like, I'm not going to buy this particular car because this ashtray is in a weird place, right? Like, I just don't see that as being the big criteria. Like, skill of developers, familiarity, uh, quality of the team makes so much more difference than a risk on a technological choice. So...
0: Yeehaw, Joe. Yeehaw.
5: (laughs) Wait, Joe. settle up. So,
3: um... When was the last time you've been burned with like like this decision in a large... By spot? a technology yeah.
0: choice? Yeah. I thought you were going to ask when the last time was that he built a real app? The last dumpster <laughs> fire? No, no, no. no the last, I thought you were going to ask that too. And when was the
2: <laughs> yeah. last dumpster fire you set?
3: No, no. I, I didn't want... Oh, Early I this want, morning. So I wanted to, but I didn't
2: uh, go there. Is that there. what
5: I've been smelling? <laughs> uh, I, was, I, I set four dumpster fires already today. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just before breakfast. That's what yeah. you
1: do. That's uh, like a that's like a easy day for you, right? Like, yeah. Only four uh, dumpster fires so far. It's oh. we need to
5: have an emoji. You know what? I, I honestly can't remember where a technology choice was a really bad thing. I'll tell you, like, I hate Oracle, right? I hate using Oracle. I would never use Oracle in an application ever, ever, ever again. I just absolutely detest it. But <laughs> Uh, As much as I think it's a really, 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 really poor technology choice for just about every possible, and I'm it's so bad to like say this on the air about a very major company, but I'll be honest, it's just I've had significant experience with it, and I think it's the wrong choice 99.95% of the time. But (laughs) I still don't think that that's like the kind of mistake. There goes that sponsor, (laughs) (laughs) Chuck.
2: This episode
0: brought to you by Oracle Financials. (laughs) A dumpster fire in your bank. Yeah.
5: Exactly. The day when I went to the admins, to the uh, DBAs, and I said, Hey, I want to install Oracle on my machine at home. Can you give me like the disks or something so I can install it? And they just. The disks? Yeah. When was that, Joe? The disks. <laughs> I actually used Oracle uh, back in the day. But they, they, they like, literally laughed at me and they said, Look, you could bring your machine in and give it to us for about a week, and we'll probably be able to get it up and installed by then. That was, that was my first experience with.
0: You're really quiet, Joe. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Whenever one. Joe talks
3: about uh, Oracle, they they know how to mute his microphone from from afar. <laughs> That's a right? Oracle
5: brand microphone. No, anyway, like forget Oracle, right? I don't even when it was when I like had real big problems with the technology choice. I still didn't feel like that was uh, something that really burned the application. What burned the application was uh, Teams and poor coding choices, poor communication, um, bad management. Um, Mm. which is as much of a problem as developers as anybody else. But developers saying, all right, we've got to get this feature out this weekend. So forget all of our tests, forget everything that we know to do is right. We're just going to just burn through it. Oh, or, Hey, we built this prototype. Great. Good job building the prototype. Now start building onto it because that's now our real app.
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. Never had that happen. (laughs) Again, I agree, Joe. I think, I think you're right. And I think it, Well, it's a balance because I've been (laughs) in some projects where this was the case, like someone added this technology, wanted to play with the NGRX. So part of the app (laughs) is built with that. And another part of the app is built with a different like, you know, and it's a definitely... It's definitely a management and you know team. I don't know spirit or something like that. Team issue. That's not a technology issue. Yes and no because and
0: no because you you need to be communicating. It's a communications issue, right? And but don't adopt it across the whole application again. But problem,
3: right? But that's why I'm saying that. Just like if you find yourself in a team, and that's my caveat, caveat here. Like, I don't know, as a newcomer or as a consultant or, you know, something like that, you need to, (laughs) you need to know who you're dealing with before you start adding, because this is the cost, right? So that's why I asked you, uh, when was the last time you got burned by it? And I wonder, does it have to do with where you were at the time? Like what... Who was on the team and all that stuff, all the peripherals, right? Because it's very important. So, so it's it's a context based thing, and we cannot like you know in general say yeah I would do that or I would do that because again like everything it depends, and sure. so 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 I agreed there. That's why I think th- th- there's a very important thing in what you just said, Joe, about like the spirit of experimentation because that's one of the tools you can have to become a better developer. Mm -hmm. So when you're not afraid of taking up this new thing, which will probably will waste you time. Okay. Trying to figure it out and read a lot about it. And it might be the wrong choice at the end and you just learn this whole thing. But most of the time you, you will be glad after, like, I don't know, later on, because it will give you inspiration how to, like, how to solve a different problem using a pattern you saw in that technology. So it's a thing that, like, you know, completes you maybe as a developer and not a lot of people have the time or have the, I don't know, courage sometimes. And I'm one of those people, okay, uh, to try these new technologies. What
2: was it? I I got a a message for you guys, which is it's not about us and it's not about our courage and it's not about whether we grow as developers. I screwed a customer once by introducing a technology. Wasn't that the people were bad, the the customer was great, my team was great. Well, it was great because it was only me uh, on that project. <laughs> um, so I, re- I certainly can't disapprove of that person. But I screwed <laughs> that customer badly because I made a technology reach too far. Mm-hmm. And that technology reach was to use a relational database on a project. Now, you say to yourself, Ward, how can that be a bad idea? I mean, relational database. This was before there were relational databases in commercial production. I had read the book. Ba-ba-bum. I read the book, I read C.J. Dates book about it. I said, man, that is so great. That is so much better than the, what we now call NoSQL database solution I had in my hand. This project, I'm going to use it on. Did the project need it? It did not. Did I have a relational database? I did not. So I wrote one. And the entire budget and time, which by the way, that missed deadline after deadline of this application was devoted to my writing a SQL server database for an application because I'd read a book about it, about relational databases, and the project didn't need it. And that experience... was so vivid for me that when I set out on this one to do it again with NGRX, which is exactly the same state. And it could be, it could be the NGRX and this is the pattern are going to be as dominant as SQL server became. But at this moment in time, it's new. Nobody knows what to do. And I thought, I've thought about that many, many times. And so it's not about whether I would grow as a person. It's about whether I would do the right thing by my client. And I have to tell our audience, please, please, this is not your adventure. This is their money. They've trusted you.
3: I agree. That's why I suggested to do it on a side project when you invest your time and trying to fiddle with something on your own and not like
0: incorporating it straight away into the client's project, right? I just want to chime in here because I I worked contracts. Let's just say I bought milk and diapers with contract money for about six years. For yourself?
4: Yeah, yeah. It was this before
3: the baby or after? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> what do you do with the milk and the diaper? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, anyway, John, uh, now I, now I buy milk <laughs> and diapers with sponsorship money, but uh, you know, <laughs> from <definitely>, Oracle. Yeah, <laughs> not anymore from from Oracle. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I totally hear what Ward's saying, and you know, I've I've messed, I've, I've screwed over um, clients as well, and it's it is like the worst feeling ever. Um, then I definitely identify that with that. Um, that said, I mean, I didn't reach for anything where it was like, there's this experimental technology idea. I'm going to go build myself or even there's something that's so new that I, you know, there's no way I can know what it's going to do. You know? Yeah. I, I'm kind of, I kind of err on the side of things that Shai mentioned as far as, you know, picking technologies that a few other people have tried and succeeded with first. But that said, um, I have been pushed by clients to use technology that I wasn't familiar with. And yep. I've had one or two of those come back to bite me, and I've had one or two of those work out. And what, what it really came down to in all those cases, and the reason I don't feel terrible about some of those, is that I told them the risks up front, right? It was driven by the client, and I looked at them and I said, these are the technologies I'm, I'm currently comfortable with. These are the technologies that I recommend that we build with because we can get the outcome you want. And when they said, no, we're going to do this instead, then I basically told them, you know, if I was billing hourly, or, you know, if I was putting in a bid based on an estimate, then I would increase the estimate to account for the risk.
5: I think you're Uh, being way too hard on yourself.
3: Yeah, that's what people do, especially yeah. consultants and project companies.
0: They, they say, okay, you want that? It's three times more. <laughs> yeah, but that's right. the thing is if you accurately represent what they're going to get, or at least you put the risks forward in a reasonable way, then you can take the risk, but it should be very clear what the customer is giving up by you not using what you're comfortable or familiar with. Yeah, but in the end of the day, it's their decision. That's why you yes. bill hourly
3: and not a fixed price. Well, we could have a whole debate on that. but Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That,
4: anyway. that's a whole another can of worms we should talk about someday in a podcast. Yeah. But for uh, final thoughts here then, Ward, before you run off, I'd love to hear your final thoughts on this project and kind of good decision, bad decision using Angular.
2: Angular has been terrific. And, you know, it helps that I know it so well, and that my team knows it so well, and so that was that was the one of our really safe choices because for our customer, they were used to MVC and web forms and stuff like that. They had no spa experience, and we really know what we're doing. We really knew what we were doing in a whole range of technologies. And, and to so,
1: clarify, your team is more than just you this time.
2: Oh, oh yeah, where there are at least eight of us or okay. more on this project. But it's a good question. Way to call me. And I think I did uh, set the parameters uh properly to introduce this technology and it suits the the technology suits the project it isn't just my own thing and i'm glad we're doing it um i was i've been terrified a few times uh i know my fallback was to yank everything rip everything out and put breeze in and i could have done that if i if i'd gotten in trouble Um, but uh i think i think it's all turning out well Uh, and so uh, yeah, I think, I think I could recommend this path. I just know more about what I'm talking about
0: now. Good. Thanks for sharing. the benefit, yeah. I'm really excited to see how this affects things with NGRX data and other things going forward. All right, well, let's do some picks. I know you have to run, Ward. Um, do you want to start us off? Is your job search stuck? Maybe you're not getting any interviews with employers, or maybe you are, but no job offers. Or you may be new and not even know where to start. This is Charles Maxwood, and I'm releasing a new course and ebook on how to find a job as a software developer. The course walks you through the process of finding the types of companies you want to work for, getting their attention, and putting your best foot forward as the candidate they want. I've coached dozens of developers in looking for jobs and have been able to help several people find jobs within two weeks to two months. So whether you're new to development, can't find a great job that fits what you want, or looking for remote work from an area without a strong tech community, I can help. Go to getacoderjob.com and sign up today. Sure. I want to refer
2: to a New Yorker article about, it's, it's kind of the right stuff for today. It's about the Virgin Galactic effort to build a rocket to take regular folks up into space, just at the near space. And it's uh, partly a profile of their um, test, uh, their lead test pilot. And it's such, a, it's such a modern day Chuck Yeager story and it's gripping. And so I'm putting the link in here. And I think our audience will love this, love this story. And I, I'm sorry, I can't stay around. I have to run, but uh, thanks for having me.
0: Thanks, Ward. Yeah. All right, John, do you have some picks
4: for us? Yeah, I've got two picks. Both of them are conferences that I think are great in different ways. One's called Framework Summit. It's the beginning of October, October 2nd and 3rd, I believe, in Utah or Utah, depending on where you would like to call it, <laughs> Joe's home state. And it's basically a, a first-time conference where it's going to get together all the different kinds of frameworks that are out there. And a lot of the uh, core team members are going to be there, too. So I'm excited to see kind of what happens when all these framework teams get together and what great things will come of it. And the second one is Angular Mix, which is October 2nd through tw- or 10th through 12th. <laughs> and that one is in Orlando, Florida. And it's all about Angular in the enterprise and cool stuff you can do with large-scale Angular apps which is kind of uh, apropos for today's topic.
5: And one of my favorite parties ever at a conference, which was to go to uh, Harry Potter World at Universal Studios. Yes, lots of fun.
0: That does sound fun. by the way,
5: the food that they provide, like that the Harry Potter or the Universal Studios provides for a private event was crazy good. I could not believe how good, like... I, I wish that it could cater every event I'm involved in because it was. It was shockingly good because usually party food is not good oh. food. How <laughs> did your expectations for something that, like, hey, Universal Studios is going to do. I mean, come on. My, my expectations were super low. Maybe that was why it seemed so good because I was expecting, you know, a step up from McDonald's. But my, I was, I thought it was fantastic. The desserts were good. Everything was good. We'll save some for you this year. Was it
0: bacon wrapping, bacon wrapping, bacon?
5: No, they did not have that. Unfortunately. No, unfortunately, but not. it was
0: magical. Sorry. All right, Shai, what are your
3: picks? Okay, cool. Uh, So I will pick Akita, which I uh, mentioned today. Um, We did a a JavaScript Israel meetup about uh, Angular recently, and one of the talks uh, was from the creator of Akita, which is an Israeli dude called uh, Netanel uh, Basal. Which uh, And he has a very uh, popular Angular blog on Medium. So I uh, will probably link to that as well. So uh, that's one pick. And on the same meetup, we had our own Uri Kid talking about Ivy in a way that I never saw uh, yet anyone talking about that. Even the core team, when they demo it, he actually took it apart and a reverse engineer it and showed how he could write an Angular app on StackBlitz using only Ivy and having two-way data binding and just by hacking on the Ivy private methods. So it was super cool. And I think he so actually wrote a blog about blog post about it. So I will share that link as well. And... I have a few things uh, coming as surprises, but I will save them for picks uh, for next time. So uh, those are my picks.
5: Awesome. Joe, what are your picks? All right, so I want to make two picks. Uh, there's a thing going on because I've been doing a common activity lately, which is playing Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> and Monday night, we, I played Dungeons and Dragons, want to get, once again with Aaron Frost, and just have the absolute best time. So I'm going to pick Dungeons and Dragons. It was it was super crazy, awesome. If you've ever seen the movie Predator, that's what actually went on while we were playing. Was like Predator. There was an evil person that was hunting uh, Aaron and his all of his compadres <laughs> through the whole through the whole evening. It was super fun. And then my other pick is I recently installed some uh, smart dimmer light switches in my house, and then finally hooked up the Amazon uh, Echo that I have that i think i bought about a year ago and never bothered to even put put on so it was the lutron cassetta i wired those up into a couple of light switches and programmed some times on one for some outdoor lights and put the other one in my room so i could turn my lights off just by telling Alexa to turn the lights off and i am not a handy person i was it took me forever just to figure out which uh, breaker to turn off so that i could safely mess with the wiring but uh they, they made it super easy. I had good directions and a website that helps out. And man, it was super bulletproof. Like the minute you get it in, everything just connects. They, there was no problems. I didn't have to keep trying. I had, I've had much worse luck with things like Nest and the smart doorbell or the smart uh, door lock I put on my house as well, one of those dead bolts. Those were all terrible. But man, this Lutron cassette thing was just bulletproof. And so
0: is Amazon. So um, those, are my, that's my, those are my picks. Very nice. I'm going to get in here with a couple of picks as well. So there, I, <laughs> I've, I've talked about on some of the shows some of the crap that I've gone through this year. I'm not going to rehash any of it. But anyway, I did wind up listening to some books on Audible that have kind of helped me process some of the stuff.